Welcome to the FemiPod. These are conversations about females for everyone to listen to, learn from and engage with. Brought to you by your Femi founders, Esther Kewen and myself, Lydia O'Donnell. Welcome back to the FemiPod. Thank you for tuning in. We are here for our fourth episode this week to chat to you about an exciting journey we're about to kickstart. We are here to help those who are interested in working towards the Nike Melbourne Marathon Festival in December. No matter what level athlete you are, if you already run or if you've never run before, this journey is for you. Over the next eight weeks, we will bring to you different conversations of how to either get into running or how to get more from your running. This week, Esther and I are going to chat through some key learnings that we have made in our own running careers that we believe will help all of you, no matter where you are at on your journey. But before we kick things off, Esther, how are you and how is your week of training? I'm very good, Lids. Thank you very much. Uh, we've had some really amazing weather here in New Zealand, so been making the most of that. Did a little kayak yesterday with my partner uh, and today it's not so nice. So good day to be inside finishing off some work for the week. Training's been good. I did a half marathon last weekend, which I was really happy with the result of that. Got a PB. Yes, it's unofficial, but I finally cracked the 80 minute mark. So I did it 118.40. So I was really stoked. And my training group as well also ran really well. So it was really cool to be part of a group where everyone sort of, I don't know, kicked off some really good times and proved that we're fit even during lockdown and not having a squad to train with. So that was really cool. And then apart from that, I've just been trying to recover. So my body is, you know, I'm 29 years old. So my body's struggling a little uh, after a half and it just shows you you know how much impact goes through your body when you're running especially when you're running you know 21ks or, or if you're training for the marathon you know it is it is a lot of impact on your body so just a reminder to myself and to you if you're training really hard that recovery is so key you know I feel like yeah I'm getting there and my body's getting better but definitely having to take it easy this week to I guess reap the benefits of the half as well in the future. So, yeah, training is good, and I am happy. How are you, Lids? So proud of you, by running such a big PB. It's awesome. So nice when everything comes together and you get the results and see that you're making progress. My week has been good. Yeah, I had a down week the week before, so just like being back into the K's and building back up. And yeah, we're about eight weeks out from the Nike Melbourne Marathon now, so we've got a lot of K's to get through over the next wee while. But this week, I probably got through about 155-ish, 160 K's. So the legs are definitely feeling it today. I just went out on a run Mm -hmm. with my friends this morning and probably just got dragged along for a little longer than I was hoping. But it's been good just, yeah, working through the mileage and the body's feeling pretty good. I think energy-wise, I'm struggling a little bit with iron deficiency. So it's something a lot of females struggle with and it's something I've kind of struggled with ever since I was a kid. So it's, yeah, one of those things I kind of know immediately if something's wrong, I know what it is um, because I'm so used to it now. So just trying to get on top of that and hopefully be able to keep the training up and um yeah not too far to go so I'm excited to race the marathon I'm getting pretty pumped for it do you have any uh goals for that marathon Liz or are you just going to see where you're at 
I would love to run a PB. So my current PB is 238. So I'd love to run, you know, a few minutes faster. I'm pretty um, confident that I'm capable of it. It's just the marathon is one of those hard ones. It's everything's got to come together on the day. And it's, you know, you put all your eggs in one basket and there's one opportunity for you to really go for it. So it's quite nerve wracking in that regards. But then again, saying that, you know, the marathon, you're out there for a couple of hours. So being able to like settle into a pace and actually enjoy the race is really good too. So I think if I can... If I get the right day, then I'm pretty confident I can get that PV. And yeah, I'd be pretty stoked to walk away with like a, even a 235 or a sub 235 would be pretty good. <laughs> That's fine. Can't imagine running that fast <laughs> that long. You are, you're insane. <laughs> well, I haven't done it yet, so we shall see. <laughs> All right, let's kick things off. So we're going to chat through our key learnings. Esther and I both have five key learnings each that we want to talk to you guys about and how have worked through these key learnings to make ourselves, I guess, better well-rounded athletes and I think especially if you're someone that's just kick-starting your journey now learn from our mistakes I think why not so hopefully they can help all of you on your own running journeys yeah whether you're starting off or if you're already into you know a running journey of your own that you've been doing for a wee while now and potentially you're pushing the pace up a little harder or you're pushing out you know if you're a 10k runner and you're aiming now for the the half marathon hopefully these learnings will be able to get you to that uh, half marathon line in in, an even better shape than what you are already expecting so do you want to get started is like what's what's your first key learning my first key learning which I think I kind of touched on in that intro there is that your body is your greatest ally like I said before, after that half, you know, I found that I am struggling a little bit in my running. I've got a little bit of a sore quad and I'm just taking a step back and really honing in and listening to my body. It's clearly trying to tell me something. Our bodies are pretty amazing. They give us so many signs and and they give us little symptoms that will pop up that we need to really be aware of. So the more we can get to know our bodies and understand, you know, when potentially we shouldn't be pushing so hard or we need to have an easier week or even just a couple of easy days, you know, we can use that to our advantage and you come out the other side feeling even better. So yeah, through my experience, and I'm sure yours as well, Lids, like sometimes you can get away with pushing through a little bit of pain, but I think uh, key learning for myself is to keep it under a three out of 10. So that's kind of a rule that I give to myself. And I also give to the ladies that I coach at Femi because there are some injuries that, you know, require load to continue to heal. However, some injuries, if, if you keep pushing, you're, they're going to get worse. So a three out of 10 rule is a really good one to live by. And if it becomes over that sort of three out, three out of 10 and everyone's different, you know, like people have different pain tolerances, but I think a three out of 10 is kind of, you're aware of it. It's not too bad. You can keep running, but if it gets more than that and it's starting to really annoy you, that's when you should be stopping, stopping running and trying to find out what's wrong. So I think either that or when it's consistently, you know, there maybe two or three out of 10 over two to three days, that's when you take a look at, at what's going on and you start to pull back. So yeah, using that as a rule. Uh, generally means that you're not going to push something too far and extend the injury time. So, you know, if you do end up getting something that's niggly over a three out of 10 or annoying you when you're running and you stop running and you take maybe two to three days of very easy jogging or even completely off and just cross train, quite often you'll find that you can come back after that time and potentially it's gone away. You're not always going to be that lucky, but sometimes what your body needs is extra time to recover and let those like tissues uh, rebuild and heal. 
So that's a really good one. I think the three out of 10, I live by that all the time uh, and just pulling back when you really need to. Because like I said, if you keep pushing and pushing and pushing, you may push something that's only little into a full-blown injury. And then you're going to have to take six to eight weeks of uh, recovering or however long it's going to take to get through that injury rather than just taking those few easy days when you needed it and when your body was first showing those signs and, you know, reducing that injury time, which we all know consistency is the key to becoming a better runner. So if you can get consistent weeks of good training with a few easy days here and there to avoid those niggles becoming something worse, uh, you can get the most out of your training. Um, But also tracking your cycle. So just being aware that, you know, if your cycle changes a little bit and you know how long your normal cycle is, that can be a really good vital sign for females to know that maybe they're pushing a little too hard or under fueling, or, you know, they're not getting the recovery that their body needs. Uh, So those are kind of my first tips for your body being your greatest ally. Don't ignore those signs. Don't push through pain when it is there if it's over a three out of 10 and really listen to your body. And, you know, if it does get over that three out of 10, reaching out to a physio as well. So many people spend so much money on, I don't know, ridiculous subscriptions and things that they probably don't need when we should be spending our money on good food and seeing a physio when we need it. You know, investing in your body is is the ultimate investment because without that, you know, we're not going to be able to run or keep training. That's so true. And it's funny. I always think about this and say this to my athletes too. Like we invest so much time into our training and then we, you know, don't pay enough attention to the rest and recovery when, why would you put so much time into your training and then you sacrifice it by not, you know, spending 15 or 20 minutes a day by stretching and doing all the other things that can help you recover better. So you need the balance of everything, right? But I I do find it hard. And it's a question I get a lot is how do you know the difference between, an injury and just being fatigued or tired from training. And I think that three out of 10, you know, way of looking at it is a really helpful way to approach if it is a serious injury. And I think other things is like, if it hurts during the night when you're sleeping, if something is aching, that's potentially more of an injury versus just like fatigue and tiredness. So um, just paying attention to those signs, I think it's really important. Nice one. So my uh, first key learning would be putting your mind first. So Rather than focusing on, you know, the benefits of running for your physical body, really just focus on the benefits of what running can do for your mental health. I think it's really important. I think running is a tool, such an amazing tool that we can use to allow our minds to be healthier. And we do ignore it a lot, especially when you are getting a lot more serious about your running and your training and you're setting these really ambitious goals. You forget the importance of what running can actually do just, you know, for your mind. So I think focusing on the mental health benefits is really important because it can also allow you to take the pressure and expectation of yourself as, as an athlete. I think myself personally, like I went through periods of time throughout my running career where I was really consumed by performance and how, how fit I was and what paces I was running. And if I wasn't hitting the specific paces in training, I was doubting myself or if I wasn't placing where I wanted to place in races or making teams, I was doubting my self-worth. And I think it's really important to step away sometimes and be like, well, every single run I go on is improving my mental health. So whether my physical body is getting the benefit or not, I'm still getting something for my mind. And I think our minds are 
the most important things that we have. We really need to embrace our mental health and make sure we're doing everything right for it. So, you know, if you have a day where you don't hit the hit the splits or get through a distance that you expected to do or was on your program or whatever, I think if you can just step back and be like, well, my mind's still benefiting, it allows you to take that pressure and expectation off yourself as an athlete and just get those gains in other ways, which I find really helpful. Yeah, that's so true. It's just taking the positives out of something that could be potentially perceived as negative. Like you said, if you didn't hit your times or get the distance you went out for, you know, look, take a step back and look at the positive of that run. You, you have got that uh, mental health benefit from it. You feel good. You got your blood flowing. You're still going to get fitter. It's just not exactly what you went out for. I think the key things for your mental health, what your, what running can do and any form of movement really, but we're obviously biased towards running. And I think running is definitely one of the most accessible tools or forms of exercise that we all have in our reach. So for me, it's like running gives me purpose. And I think everybody needs a purpose in their lives. And it definitely gets me up out of bed every morning and gets me excited for the day, just heading out for a run. So I think that purpose piece is really important. It definitely provides my mind some clarity, you know, getting outside and breathing the fresh air and moving, you know, one foot after the other, it allows me to create some clarity in my mind. And because I'm such a morning runner, it's the best way to set up my day. So I think being able to get outside and just like allow those thoughts to come and go and work through priorities for the day is a really great way to get through, you know, potential challenges that I have through the day or workload or whatever that may be. Um, And then connection. I think the connection you get through running is amazing for your mental health. I think humans crave connection and it's probably something we've all struggled with quite a lot in the last 18 months with COVID is losing that connection to other people. But through running, even if it is you're only allowed to run with one other person, it's a great way to connect to someone else and be able to become vulnerable and speak about emotions and feelings and challenges. And I think we all need to be able to do that. So that definitely helps and has helped my mental health as well. So there's so many gains that running can give for your mental health, but those are probably my three key ones. Yeah, so true. I've definitely craved that connection in New Zealand. We haven't been allowed to run with anyone other than who's in your household. And then if you don't have someone that runs in your household, you know, you're running alone, which is not so bad, but running is definitely a way to like build community and make really amazing friends that are all pursuing similar goals so yeah that's definitely a massive one for me as well the connection aspect of running for my mental health moving on to my second tip so number two for me would be recovery as is as important as training so recovery is basically when your body gets back to its natural state so it's not extremely fatigued or you're not mentally fatigued or physically fatigued anymore you're back at that sort of like homeostasis I guess of of feeling good and energized and ready to train hard again. So that's kind of what I believe recovery to be. Uh, The issue is when you're training really, really hard and potentially there's other aspects of your life that aren't meeting their recovery needs. So, you know, you may be really busy at work and you're trying to run and train for a, a marathon and you've got kids and you've got some emotional stress going on with relationship, you know, that all piled on top of each other is going to mean you're probably not reaching those recovery requirements if you're training at a high level. So recovery is not only just, you know, having a rest after a hard run. You have to look at every aspect of your life and sort of make sure that, yeah, you're getting adequate sleep, you're getting adequate nutrition, hydration, but you're also mentally recovered as well. So making sure you get that time out 
uh, if you're really stressed, um, whether that's through meditation or like Lid says, connecting with others when you're running. Uh, there's heaps of different tools you can use there. But I think the main sort of must that I'll focus on here with recovery, if you want to get the most out of your training, uh, is your sleep, your nutrition and your hydration. So massive one, I guess, for everyone is is really prioritizing sleep. I think so many people live those busy lifestyles and we can't get enough sleep that we need. But I think making that a priority for yourself will really help your training, whether that be that you just have to get into bed a little bit earlier at night, uh, turning your phone off so that you're not on your phone and distracted or just putting your sleep as, as one of those main priorities for yourself will really help with recovery. So anywhere from seven to 10 hours a night will be good. Obviously 10 hours is probably going to be better, but if you're still getting seven, that's really good. Uh, one of the issues is with sleep and I've actually had an experience with this and Liz knows this, that sometimes I get anxious and I get wound up about sleep. And I think I need to have good sleep to perform well. But before that half marathon, I think I slept seven hours the night, night before, and the night before I slept four hours and I still ran well. And I think that day was really good for me in telling that sleep, yes, it will affect you long-term if you continually have bad sleeps, but for a short, short amount of time, if you're anxious, you can still perform well. It's just you need to make sure that you do prioritize it over a long period of time as that's going to help you recover. So yeah, just doing those things that make you feel relaxed, you know, not so much screen time at night and yeah, allowing your body to sort of um, get sleepy and get ready for bed earlier on and trying to get into bed earlier, but also having like a regular wake up time in the morning is really helpful. So for me, sometimes I know that I can sleep in a bit not quite like Lids on her 5.30 a.m. wake up every day. Uh, but I think adding those, you know, regular wake-ups gets your body into a routine and it really helps you sort of also feel tired at night by the time you go back to sleep. If you've been up since 6 in the morning, you're going to really be craving that sleep by the time you go to sleep. So, yeah, sleep is where all the benefits come from from training because your body gets to adapt and recover. So that's kind of number one. Number two with nutrition you know, it's so important, but especially for females, especially around red S, we talked about it um, in one of our first podcasts, but just getting enough uh, protein in prior to and straight after training will really help you get the benefits out of those high intensity sessions. So your body gets little breakdowns in the muscles when you train really hard to so get little micro tears in your muscles. And as soon as you can get that nutrition on, so your protein and some carbohydrate, you can start to repair those muscles and also knock back your cortisol level, which can help you start to recover. So pre and post training nutrition is super important, but then throughout the day as well, you need to be eating a lot of food if you're training uh, really hard, but also just in general, we all have needs that we need to be met with our food. So even just if you sat there all day, you're going to have a certain amount of calories and food that you need. So just making sure that you're eating a lot of food for the training, but also just in general for your life. So I found the more food that I eat, the more that I recover and the more training that I can do. So I think there's an, a new thing going around, which is fuel for the training at hand. And this is the result you'll get. So sort of just really focusing and honing in on that training, getting your fueling right will really help with recovery and then hydration as well. So 
when you're training in, in heat or if you've got a long run or a really high intensity run, getting some electrolytes on board will really help replace those salts uh, that are lost in that run. But also just in general, you know, our bodies need two liters and that's if we do no, no training at all. So if you sweat a lot like me, I probably need a little bit more electrolytes and water than someone else who doesn't sweat as much. But if you're training really hard, hydration is key to recovery. So yeah, like I said, if you're not getting those key recovery pillars right, you're potentially not going to be able to get the best adaptation out of training. So you push your body really hard. And then if you don't recover properly, you don't get the adaptation. But if you do recover properly, you will get the adaptation. And that's when you'll start to see your running get better. So yeah, focus on those three things. And if you've got them covered, then you can start getting foam rolling, stretching, massage guns in there as well, because they definitely have some benefits as well. Yeah. And it goes back to what I was saying before as well, right? We do all this training, but we make all these other sacrifices and don't do all the other one percenters that allowing us to be better athletes. It almost makes all the training just like go down the drain if you don't do the recovery, right? And it's something that I've, you know, probably haven't done completely right in the past and something that I've focused a lot more on over the last two or three years is trying to get that recovery right. And it's part of the reason I ended up leaving my job a few years ago because I knew just by the stress of my job, it wasn't allowing me to recover from my training sessions as well. And actually that was one of the things that led me to falling into a state of relative energy deficiency syndrome, which we've talked about in our earlier podcasts. If you haven't listened to them, I urge you to go and listen to them. But yeah, going into a state of being in low energy deficit, I wasn't recovering properly and it and it forced me to you know put my training on hold for a long period of time because I was just digging myself into a hole so recovery is so important and now I'm just obsessed with sleep although S called me out for getting up really early which I definitely do (laughs) but I go to bed really early so I find I get about eight to nine hours sleep a night Plus I try and nap if I'm doing big sessions throughout the day, especially at the moment being in marathon training, I will try and take, you know, a 20 or 30 minute nap throughout the day as well, just to replenish the body. Rest and recovery is just so important to get the most out of that training. So I think we used to live in a day and age where not recovering well and just being on the grind 24 seven was seen as being successful. I think I was in a position where I thought underfueling was a really good thing and that it was going to help me become leaner and I guess essentially faster, which now I know is completely not true. Um, you know, there's all these concepts and ideas around what made you a successful athlete, but goes against everything we know now, you know, making sure I would even probably not even drink enough water on some sessions because I thought that was a good thing and that I'd be able to like train my body to work under a state of dehydration, but it's completely, you know, wrong. And you've got to look after that body and let it recover so that you can actually get the most out of yourself in training and then in racing as well. Definitely has changed the outlook on rest and recovery. It used to be cool to be like, I can live off four hours sleep. Yeah, I'm one of those people. But now everyone's like, oh, actually, no, that's really bad for you. You need to sleep. So it's definitely changing, which is cool. Even the idea of recovery runs and easy runs, you know, there used to be an idea around like, oh, if you run that, that slow on some days, like that's embarrassing or you shouldn't be doing that or actually like rest and recovery runs, uh, easy runs are so important for us to be better athletes. So even just like taking, you know, that idea away of um, posting up easy runs, which goes nicely into my next key learning, which is all about comparison. So definitely a big one that I've worked through over the last few years is don't compare yourself to anybody. It's so important. 
if you're just starting off on your running journey, especially, it's so important not to compare yourself to anybody because you are you and you have strengths and you have weaknesses and other people have different strengths and weaknesses. So focusing on your own journey and what you are doing well and making sure you're making the decisions that are right for yourself is really important. I think if you're someone who is already running and you're already using training um, technology and there's you know there's tech out there that is showing you exactly how how fast you're running your heart rate your speed um, and there's you know ways that you can compare yourself to others through those apps and it's a really can be a really dangerous place to be when you are constantly looking at what everyone else is doing and something that I've become really mindful of is just getting myself out of that environment because I fell into a place where I was comparing myself so badly to other people that I ended up doubting my own training and what I was doing and thought I needed to do more or run harder in sessions purely because people who essentially were slower than me were running harder in training. And and then of course you're going to start comparing and judging what you're doing. And so changing what I was doing, which wasn't the right thing for me and my body and what sort of training I should be doing to become a better athlete. So it's a really dangerous place. And I think what I love about the Nike Run Club app is that there is obviously there's a leaderboard and you can see if you want to compare to your friends, your kilometers per week or month or year, whatever that might be, but you're not necessarily constantly comparing your stats and your numbers and your data to everyone else. It's a great way to keep track of your training and track your progress and uh, how many Ks you are doing, but you're not always looking at other people's runs and information and heart rate. And so I really love the Nike Run Club app in that regards. It's not too consuming, but it's serving you a purpose to help you be a better athlete. And But it's, yeah, it's not shoving other people's training in your face all the time. So yeah, just be careful in the comparison journey as a young girl, I really fell into it where I was constantly comparing even what I looked like to other people. And as a teenage girl who I loved sport and I loved running especially, but I was constantly comparing what my body looked like to everybody else. And you create such a negative relationship with yourself by doing that. And I think it's something to be really aware of as you grow up, just making sure that you you don't have to love your body. You don't have to love everything about your body, but feeling empowered in your body and what your body can do versus what it looks like is so much more empowering and confidence building. So yeah, I think as I got into my twenties, it wasn't necessarily comparing myself to, you know, other girls or girls in my circles. It was probably comparing myself a lot more to female athletes and lining up on marathon start lines, feeling like I didn't belong there and I didn't have the body to be a marathon runner that in itself puts you in such a negative state at the start of a marathon, you need your mind to be in the best possible position it can be in not feeling insecure and that you don't belong. So I've definitely learned over the last five years of running marathons that there are so many different body shapes and different body, you know, sizes in marathoning actually in any distance and running and that, yeah, I'm going to play into my strengths and my strengths is that I am strong and that I can, you know, run these big Ks and I can run a marathon and not worrying what anyone else is doing or what anyone else is looking like. So the comparison game is a dangerous one. So just try to focus on you, what you're doing right, your journey, make decisions that feel right for where you are at within your own running journey to build running to be something that's really sustainable in your life and not something that you fall into and do for a few weeks and then potentially overtrain because you're comparing to what other people are doing and then you know either get injured or burnt out or 
force yourself into a really negative relationship with running and never want to run again. Try and create that really positive relationship and uh, focus yeah, on what is right for you. It is very easy to drop into a state of comparison or comparing yourself or if you can't sustain the same training as some other people that you run with, but everybody is different and everybody, yeah, like you said, has their own strengths and weaknesses. But when you do start to compare, you can start to do things to your body that potentially aren't going to be good for it because you think that's going to make it better or whatever you see as a good runner. That's what you, what you're going to try to achieve. Uh, So that kind of leads into my third um, tip, which is food is your fuel, not your foe. So I think so many women and, and probably men will relate to this where sometime in our lives we've had a negative relationship with food or potentially you still do have a negative relationship with food, but the long-term effects of that sort of mindset can be really, really detrimental, uh, not only to yeah your training, but also just to your enjoyment in life. You know, food is literally fuel. If you don't eat food, you're not going to have energy to go to the beach or to hang out with your friends or to study or to do amazing things that you get to do in life. And food is literally the reason that we have this energy and we can do all these amazing things, including training and recovering. So yeah, we just need to think of, I think, change our or try to change our mindsets into thinking of food yeah, as that fuel and it nourishes our body and it gives us the ability to do all the things that we want to do. Uh, I know for myself when I was younger and I, I fell into that comparison trap, Lids, I know I talked about it in, the, in one of our first podcasts about how I saw that photo of myself and thought that I looked fat and I didn't look like what a runner should look like. And from there, I started to cut out food and make changes to my diet. And it led to so many different injuries and led me to quitting the sport and not being in love with it anymore. So I think coming back into it now, I've still had to work on what I perceive to be bad food. And and Lucy touched on it last week in her podcast, but there's no such thing as bad food. It's just how we stress about what we're eating. So if you're going to eat chips or a giant pizza that you've really been excited about, but you eat it and then you feel guilty, that's worse for you than the actual pizza or the burger or whatever you deem to be bad food that stress is going to actually make you hold on to that food for more because your cortisol level will go up from being stressed about eating. I think it's been a long journey for me to get to a point where I I don't really see much food as bad. Obviously, I I don't eat meat and dairy, but that's more for (laughs) a moral standpoint and for the environment. But yeah, food in general is literally your fuel for life. So Cutting out food can lead to, you know, complexes about certain food or it can lead to having low energy availability and potentially, again, getting you into that amenorrheic state or red S, which is exactly what we want to avoid long-term with training. So the more you can start to love food and take away that stress from it and just know that it's nourishing your body and, and giving you the ability to train and do all the awesome things you like in life, the better relationship you're going to get with food. And I know Lids and I have both had our own personal journeys with cutting out certain foods and neither of them ended well. So you can learn from our journeys and hopefully, yes, start to embrace food more as that fuel rather than any sort of bad thing going into your body. Yeah, I definitely fell into a fad diet, the keto diet, which this would have probably been about five years now. And I went through a period of about six months without eating any carbohydrates. 
and thinking that was going to make me leaner and I thought that was going to make me faster and yeah it just led me down such a bad path because I was so in such an energy deficit my body was in such a state of fight or flight that I actually my body started holding on to everything I was eating because it was struggling to provide my body with enough energy to get through you know just my day-to-day life but then my training on top of all of that as well so I actually ended up putting weight on because of not eating carbohydrates and not only that it really affected my training I wasn't being able to get through the sessions that I was trying to get through I had to take time off training like I think I got had to end up taking about three months away from serious running just to allow my body to rest and recover and heal from redis and not eating carbohydrates was a massive part to play in leading my body down that path so I think now I'm so much more balanced with my diet and the food that I eat. And I say to a lot of people, especially a lot of the marathoners that I train, we should be eating more than you would imagine. Like you should almost be feeling like you're forcing food in. And that's definitely me at some times. I feel like I'm forcing food. And when I'm not even hungry, just because I know that I need that food to be able to get through, you know, the next day or week or month of training so that I can improve as a runner and become a better marathoner. So it's funny the way that you can change your perception and your approach to things like food and how, if you can change that mindset, it can change your entire game. So if you are someone who is struggling with the idea of taking in more calories, try to look at the positives and the and get excited about if you can flip that narrative and approach it in a totally different way. There's a whole lot of potential that you haven't even unlocked yet. So that's kind of, I think, how I changed my mind around and how I realized I was doing all the training, but I wasn't fueling properly. So if I could do all the training and fuel properly, imagine what I can run. If you can approach it like that, you can change your entire outlook on running and then hopefully progress your running even further. My third key tip and one, again, that Esther and I have both learned over the years is that having your period is a sign of your health. So growing up as a, as a teenage girl, as an athlete, especially, we got fed a lot of information about how having a period was actually a very negative thing about being a female athlete. Always going to be a really hard journey to be a runner as a female who has your period. And if you have your period, uh, we get told to go on the OCP or the oral contraceptive pill to get rid of your period or train hard enough and under fuel so that you can lose your period, which is becoming amenorrheic, which we know now is obviously very bad for you. So I think growing up with these really negative ideas and connotations around having your period, it definitely made me create a really bad relationship with my body because obviously your menstrual cycle is part of your bodily functions. And I think by thinking that your body is doing something that was really annoying or frustrating or affecting your performance, it made me really hate my body because my body was giving me this period every month. So I think by learning and educating ourselves around how important it is to have a healthy menstrual cycle and by actually having a period, it shows that your body is working the way it should be working, that you're getting enough energy in versus the energy you're putting out. It allowed me to change my perception and my idea around menstrual cycles and my perception around my body, essentially. So 
now when we get our periods, Esther and I just get excited by it because we know like we're healthy. We're doing all the right things to fuel our training and fuel our daily life and our bodily functions and that we're all in balance. And I think if you're in balance, that's when your performance is going to be at its highest anyway. So having a period is definitely a sign of your health. I think, you know, we understand there's a lot of girls out there who do struggle with hormonal issues and they might necessarily have a period um, and we definitely you know urge you to go and see a health professional if you aren't already if you are in that position and we know we are lucky to have our periods we're not sitting here thinking you know raving about how great it is to have a period completely blind to girls that don't necessarily get their period so we we know that and we just we urge if you don't have a period and you're not seeing a doctor or a medical professional to get help and have someone step in to hopefully get your hormones under control. But if you are someone with a natural cycle and you're not on any contraception and you have that natural cycle and you get your period, whether it's every you know 25 or 35 days, that's a really good thing and try to embrace that and try to celebrate it versus thinking that it's annoying and that, you know, oh, you're on your period, you can't do this and you can't do that and you need to sit on the couch and eat ice cream. We get our periods and we're like, cool, this is awesome. We're all in balance. We can train really hard. Our periods mean we're in our follicular phase. Our hormones are low. We can actually push the training a little bit harder if we're feeling really good and get excited by that fact because then you can actually feel really in control of your body and empowered by your body. So that's what we want to do at Femi is allow females to feel really empowered. And I think by embracing our menstrual cycles, it's one of the steps we can take to do that. Yeah. It's been a long time coming, but I think hopefully the narrative's changing a little bit and more and more coaches are talking about it to their athletes. And yeah, Femi, obviously we want to embrace that and work with our athletes alongside their menstrual cycle. My fourth tip is acceptance is one of your greatest strengths. So This one's probably one of the uh, most important ones to me because of my journey. Uh, So yeah, in in those first few podcasts, I kind of talked about how I prided myself on winning when I was young. And when I came back to running, when I was a bit older, I wasn't winning. And I was kind of like, this sucks, you know, like, I don't know. I just, I prided myself on always winning when I was younger. And coming back, it was actually quite hard to accept that fact that maybe I wasn't ever going, wasn't going to win or that it was a lot harder and there is some really good competition and just coming to terms with that fact that winning isn't actually everything. It's more the fact that you're getting out there, uh, you're making awesome friends through running or that you're pushing your body or that you're benefiting your mental health, all of the sort of things we've talked about today. There's so much more to running than your results, your times and how well you do or your PBs. Uh, so that was kind of like a big journey for me to get to a point where I feel like now I am at an accepting point of, of whatever comes out of say a race or a training, I can go to a training one day, not feel it, do one rep, think it's a joke and go home and be okay with it. Whereas back in the day, I used to probably try to push through, get upset, maybe even have a little cry and be mad at myself and think that something's wrong with me, you know? So it's completely different journey for me now. And I've, I've come to that point where I feel like I am more accepting and it's so much lighter and funner. You can come away from, yeah, a bad training or a bad race. And you know that that doesn't define you. It's just a bad race or a bad training. That's literally all it is. It doesn't mean anything. You're still going to get fitter from it. You're still going to enjoy it and have fun. It's just that day wasn't your day. So I think getting to that mindset where you can accept all trainings 
and understand that not every time you race or every time you line up for a training, you're going to have a good training. Uh, there's that rule out there that's like the 30% rule where 30% of the time you're going to feel really good, 30% of the time you're going to feel average, and 30% of the time you're going to feel bad. You know, you can do everything possible to feel good the day of a race, but if your body's not going to not going to cooperate that day, it's just not going to cooperate. Uh, so as long as you're going into those races feeling confident in, in your training and that you feel that you've you know, you've given it a best, uh, the best go to turn up that day feeling good. That's all you can do. So just focusing, I think, uh, Lids and I have both sort of benefited on, benefited on focusing on what we can control versus what we can't control. So by going to the race and, and sort of saying, oh, there's some really fast people here or, oh, the weather's really bad or, oh, I didn't sleep that good, you know, that's going to negatively affect your mindset when you go into the race. But if you go into the race and you think I've trained really hard for this, I've done everything I possibly could today, whatever happens will happen. And I'm going to be proud of myself for giving it a go. That's the kind of mindset that will help you move on from a bad, bad training or a bad race. And then, you know, the quicker you can move on, the less stressed you're going to be about it. So again, that comes back to, you know, being stressed over little things all of the time will negatively affect you. Stress is good in small doses, but if you're getting stressed over bad races and bad trainings and getting mad at yourself, that's negatively going to affect you. So yeah, the faster you can move on and just understand that it's part of life and everyone's going to have shitty days, uh, the faster you can get to another race and have another crack. So I think, yeah, that's been really important for me uh, and my mindset in turning up to races, loving the fact that I get to race and and being grateful for the fact that I get to push my body to the limit, whether that means it's a really good time day or a really bad time day, that's fine. What will be will be. But yeah, that's really helped my running, I think, in the last year or so. It's just accepting that, yeah, sometimes you're going to feel awesome and sometimes you're not. I definitely think that acceptance piece comes with age as well. Like I think the older you get and the more experience you get and no matter what you do, whether it's running or at work or whatever it might be, family life, I think acceptance of yourself and your worthiness definitely comes as you get older. So for those who are maybe slightly younger and you are just like starting out your running journey, the sooner you can accept those things and remove that expectation and pressure you're putting on yourself or the expectation you feel other people are putting on you, the sooner that you'll actually be able to enjoy what you're doing and make those gains and benefit from it more so anyway. So take your time with that journey of acceptance, but it's I think the sooner that you can do it, the better because you'll get more out of whatever you do in life anyway, right? Yeah, that's so true. And and you you're right in what you just said, you know, people have different journeys. And if you've been in certain sports where there's a massive focus on your performance and your weight and different aspects of your training, you know, that's going to affect your mental state and how you can accept certain training. So just being kind to yourself and know that those experiences will affect how quickly you can get to that sort of acceptance part of your journey and just being kind to yourself as much as you can. But yeah, we totally understand everyone's at a different part of their journey and certain parts of your life are going to impact how much you can accept and move on from certain experiences. So my next one or key learning is set flexible goals, which probably leads on quite nicely from the expectation and acceptance piece. So 
goals are obviously really important to keep for me to keep my motivation up. I always need to know what I'm training for and when that next like start line or finish line is going to be. Uh, Setting goals helps me have a plan and some structure and it allows me to periodize my training to make sure I'm getting the best out of myself when race day comes or when it really matters. So having some goals is very important. But in saying that, I think what I've learned over the years is be flexible in those goals. I think there's this idea that we need to create really specific goals. And if you're familiar with the term smart goals, I think it's something that we learned growing up, having goals that are quite specific. And I think for me, having really specific goals does put a level of expectation and pressure on me as an athlete. And if I don't quite hit those goals, I feel like I lose a lot of confidence. Whereas I think if you set flexible goals, it allows you to be a lot kinder to yourself and make decisions that are right for you at the time. And I think it allows you to also just enjoy the journey as well, rather than having this like gray cloud hovering over you that you know that you've set a goal. So for me, it might be a specific time that I want to run for a specific distance. Those are obviously specific, too specific. But if I'm like, I want to get to that race and I want to get through it and I want to run really strong and feel really good within myself, I can walk away from that race. Whether I run a time that I expected myself to run or not, I can walk away feeling like I've achieved that goal because I can look back and be like, yes, I felt strong. Yes, that last K was really good. Yes, I got to the finish line. And yes, I had a good time. And there I achieved those goals. And the time, I believe, if you get those goals right, the time and those more specific goals will come anyway. So I think if we don't focus too much on setting those specific goals and just making sure that we are being flexible in what we're trying to achieve um, and focus on the, I guess, things that are a bit more in our control, we can actually enjoy the process a lot more and everything else will come along anyway. The time is just a cherry on top, but I think if you can get everything else right and walk away by having fun, um, that's the the most important part to me anyway. So if you are someone who is just starting out your running journey and maybe you do want to train towards the 5K at the Nike Melbourne Marathon in eight weeks' time, go into that journey with a really open mind. Your goal is getting to that 5K and that's awesome. You do not have to put expectations and pressure on yourself to get to that 5K in a certain time. You don't have to have that time in mind. Maybe that finish line is the goal. And if you get there, that's awesome and that you've achieved that. If you're someone who's been running a little while and maybe you've always been running five or 10Ks and maybe you want to push yourself a little bit harder and go up to that half marathon distance, amazing like there that is an incredible goal in itself and I think if you can just focus on getting through to that distance and take away that pressure of time and paces you're going to be able to enjoy the process more and and get through that training you know probably in a lot smarter way than you would if you had these crazy expectations to run specific paces and training anyway so yeah, I think being flexible is really important. It's something that I've learned. I think I used to put a lot of pressure on myself to run specific times um, or get placings at races. And now I'm like, cool, I've got this, I've got a time. Like I think I said at the start of this podcast, I've got a time in mind that I want to run for the Melbourne Marathon. But to me, I just want to get to that finish line and feel really content and happy that I did it. I think, you know, this will be my first marathon in two years. And I just want to be able to get through it and have a great time and take in the atmosphere and be around people like 
that's what it's exciting me the most. If I, I think if I can run that PB and run the time that I've got in mind, that's like I said, a cherry on top and that would be awesome, but I'm not going to be feel defeated if I don't get that. I think the gains that I get through this entire marathon journey, which has probably been going for a lot longer than I initially expected now, but I think the gains that I've already got through this journey and I think over the next eight weeks is definitely going to outweigh whatever I get from running that race in a time or not. So I think um, try to focus on, you know, everything else that you get from the journey as well and not just that the time or the placing or whatever that specific goal might be that you have in your head to try to let go of it and just enjoy yourself. Yeah, it's so true. Okay, now the reason that we all started sport is to have fun. And the minute that you get super obsessed with times and places, you kind of lose that fun, especially if you don't get those times and places because those expectations that you've put on yourself are just going to take away that fun. So yeah, bringing it back to the enjoyment factor is always so important with running. Uh, my last key learning is how important it is to have a coach or a training plan. So if you are brand new to running, it's super important to have some guidance to get into running. Running is a, a sport that comes along with some injuries. It is a high impact sport through your bones and your joints and tendons. And if your body's not used to that type of pounding, then it needs extra time compared to someone who is used to running. So if you're brand new to running and you want to run uh, 5K, a couch to 5K plan is awesome. It is going to guide you in a, in a safe way, uh, but also taking it back to that first key learning where your body is your greatest ally, just trying to be in tune with your body as well. Even if you are following a program, if something hurts, take another day off. You don't have to be religious and following that program. But I think, yeah, once you sort of got to that 5K point, it is really helpful to have a coach or a more specific training plan to you and your fitness and your goals. So a coach is really, really important. Both Lids and I, I think we could probably coach ourselves, but we both have coaches. We both sort of really enjoy that uh, connection with someone else. It takes a bit of the stress off uh, programming for yourself. So you have just a program in front of you that you just follow each day. And it kind of holds you accountable. And also I feel like if I programmed myself something really, really hard and then I went to the track, I feel like I'd be kind of like, if it was really hard, maybe I wouldn't do it. So I think having that coach kind of holding you accountable and, you know, that program to really just outline what you should be doing uh, is really going to be helpful. But also by having that experienced person who's hopefully an expert, they will know what a safe journey looks like in general. So you're not going to go from 10Ks long run to a 20K long run uh, randomly and think that your body will hopefully be able to handle the load. Like chances are, if you haven't done that before, you could get injured. So a coach is kind of that mentor or that, I guess, person that gives you that guidance so that you can hopefully stay injury free and also get that guidance around interval training as well, which is a really important aspect of running and, and helps you get faster. So yeah, I think as your journey continues and you start to get past that kind of 5k point, looking into getting a coach or a more specific program will really help get your running moving further. Uh, Lids, haven't you written a plan for the 5 and 10k at the Melbourne Marathon? Yes, so I have written two plans uh, for the 5 and the 10k. If you are someone that is been with us since the start of the training journey, which will be about 10 weeks ago now, um, 
you will be pretty deep into your 5 and 10K training. But if you are someone who's just joining us on our training journey, you can start from the eight-week training plan, which we will put in the show notes the registration for that. And that will give you specific sessions to do each week. So if you are someone that's really new to running and you're aiming for that 5K at the Nike Melbourne Marathon, I would suggest that you look at that training journey. And I think it's about four runs a week, but you can pull that back to three runs if you feel like that is right for you. Um, and then if you're someone who's maybe run a few, few uh, 5Ks before and you're wanting to push up to that 10K, there is a 10K specific plan too. So we do have plans that kicked off probably about 10 weeks ago now um, that was leading up initially to the original Nike Melbourne Marathon dates, which was last weekend in October. And now that we've pushed out to December, we have um, pushed those plans out to allow you to be peaking at the right time. I think it's a really important part of a training plan is that you don't get too fit too early because it's all about paradise your training to make sure that you're peaking at the right time, which for us is race day in December. So those 5K and 10K plans will allow you to do that. So yeah, we will put those programs in the show notes. And if you want to register for those plans, you can definitely do that. And if you have questions about them, reach out to me and I'll be here to help you as well. And saying that we also have a Facebook group that you can join. So if you are part of the Nike Melbourne Marathon Festival training journey, Femi has launched a Facebook group so you can be part of a community that um, of girls that will also be on the same journey as you. So within that Facebook group, you can ask us questions. We will be there as coaches to help you get through that training journey. We will be talking a lot more around menstrual cycles and how you can adapt those training sessions to your menstrual cycle, depending on where you're at. Um, and you can just be part of the community to help get some motivation to get you through the next eight weeks as well. So in saying all of that, the last key learning that I have got is all about making the right decisions for you, which definitely leads back to the comparison tip that I said, but just making sure, especially if this is the first training journey that you've ever been on, it can be quite daunting and you know, you're looking at everyone else around you and what they are doing. Make sure that you're focusing on you and what is right for you. So in saying that, when you're choosing which distance you want to train towards, don't feel pressure by what other people are doing to pick a certain distance. If this is your first ever race and your first training journey, the 5K is amazing. It's a great distance for you to work towards. It's a really smart way to train, making sure that we're just increasing your distance ever so slightly each week to make sure that your body is becoming more conditioned to the load, as Es was saying, so that you don't get injured and can actually enjoy the training as well. Make those decisions based on where you are at. Um, really focus and think about how your body is going to adapt to the training, how you feel like you can put that training into your life already. We're all very busy. And so looking at a training journey and understanding it's going to take, you know, a chunk of time out of your a week, making sure that that training is going to fit into everything else that you've got going on is really important too. Other decisions that you're going to want to make over the next eight weeks are things like, Kit, kit, racing kit and training kit is really important. So make sure that you're making decisions for what feels right and what's comfortable for you. A big one that I always get asked is around shoes. Um, for me, my training shoes are the most important tool that I need and have for my running journey. So the my favorite training shoe at the moment is the Nike Pegasus 38, one that I have run in for many years now, the Pegasus, and the one that I probably will run in forever. It's definitely the most consistent and stable shoe that I own. And I love the Pegasus because you can wear them for 
your every single round you can kind of wear them for easy runs you can wear them for long runs I wear them sometimes if I need to do a speed session and then I absolutely can do that so the Pegasus for me is definitely my favorite shoe what's your favorite shoe to train at the moment is uh, I really like the Nike Next Percent Tempos. So I use those a lot on the track, uh, especially if I don't want a carbon-plated shoe because they're kind of a step in between. So they're quite nice on my legs and they really help uh, with recovery following a speedier session on the track. I find I don't have uh, quite as sore legs as some other shoes. So yeah, they're really awesome. And also if I've got kind of a steady long run, I really enjoy running in those shoes tempos are awesome too they're so good they do definitely do make you feel like a little bit faster than your normal running shoe right amazing so those are our key learnings that we have definitely um, worked through and made over the last you know 5 10 15 years of our own running journeys something like we said at the start we want to educate all of you out there no matter where, where you are at in your own tra- training journey to learn from our mistakes um, try not to make the mistakes that we have made and hopefully allow you all to enjoy your training and your running a lot more. So if you are someone who wants to join us on the Nike Melbourne Marathon Festival journey, you can join us on our Facebook group. As we mentioned, we will attach the training plans to the show notes. You can jump on those training plans. We have some very exciting conversations coming up over the next seven or eight weeks that will hopefully educate, inspire, and motivate you to be even better runners or athletes than you already are. Thank you for joining us on episode four of the Femi Pod. If you have any questions from this episode, definitely hit us up on Instagram. We're at femi.co or you can go to our personal Instagrams. I'm Lydia Odo, S-U-R, S-T-Q-N. And we will answer all your questions. Thanks for tuning in and we'll chat to you all next week. <laughs>